No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which means sons of, son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you how your word encourages us. How as we read and hear it uh, preached, Lord, your spirit is at work in a way that somehow makes our spirits rise, challenges us, rebukes us, but also encourages us, Lord. So we thank you for this privilege, and we pray that your spirit would do what you would do in our lives and through your word, right now and in the week ahead. Amen. Well, Barnabas' uh, real name, of course, was Joe, Joseph, and he was from a very, very significant tribe, the tribe of Levi. He was a Levite, a priestly order. He knew all the stuff, and he was involved in those things that brought people closer to God from Cyprus. He was nicknamed Barnabas, which literally means son of encouragement, or the one who encourages, because I guess those around him had seen something of his character. His character, that he was one of those people that continually made you feel great, made you boosted you and gave you a sense of feeling blessed. In the scriptures, Barnabas is described as a good man full of the Holy Spirit. And that word good, kalos in the Greek, is a word that, um, that can be translated in lots of ways. It's one of the words that's combined with the beatitudes of being blessed and so when we think about Barnabas as a good person, he was a person who made you feel blessed, who was a person who was so full of God's spirit that God's blessing came upon you as he was with you. You remember how in James we were talking, hearing about how the tree is known by its fruit and how Jesus himself had taught along those lines? Well, it was the case for Barnabas. He was known by what he did as well as by what he said. It was his character that was so catching for the people around him. Now, the first mention of Barnabas is recording in Acts 4, as we've just heard Nigel read. And the grace of God was upon these early Christians. It was being poured out upon them, so much so that they were understanding things a brand new way. They understood how important different people were, opening their eyes to see how God saw them and opening their understanding to what the place of their material possessions was. 
They began to realize that as David had prayed, all things had come from God and that whatever they gave was just an expression of God's generosity to others. And so they, we read that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to anyone as they had need. There was such joyful generosity being released. And we heard that Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now Luke makes this point because it was an example and encouragement to others of what Barnabas had done. What a difference that must have made. We don't know how, what sort of field or how big it was. It may have been that he got this field you know, to, as a building plot to build his house in his retirement. And he just sort of said, well, I'm, I don't know whether I'm even going to get to retirement as it were, I'm just going to use that now because the need is now and I'm going to sell that because God has given me that field. It's God's field and I feel liberated to make that as a part of my encouragement, my giving to the needs that are around me. What a huge boost that must have been, encouragement for the church in those days. Barnabas gave so freely and liberally that his impact on the early church was huge. And he keeps popping up in lots of different ways, as we shall see in a few minutes. But the fact is that sometimes when people give prompted by God, it can be life-changing. And Sean is uh, going to tell a, a story of what happened to her when she first began to explore what the Christian faith was about, how one person had, had felt led by God to give to enable her to go somewhere, and the consequences of that have been huge. Just share something about uh, what happened. Is that okay, Andy? Yeah. Great, thanks. Um, yeah, so um, I was 18, and I had been uh, brought up in... Um, oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. I was 18, I was uh, just about to go to college. Um, I was able to go to college because in those days you got a full grant, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to go. Um, and so I was really looking forward to it. But in that, um, that summer, and I always remember it was, it was, I was talking to somebody coming into church, it was the summer of 1976. <laughs> and it's the last summer that I can remember there was anything like this one. And I was working in a greenhouse, <laughs> pricking out, um, pricking out um, um, like carnations. So they have to be pricked out so that all the goodness goes into the uh, it goes into the, the flower. And then I was doing that for half of the time, and the other half of the time, I'm a vegetarian. I was plucking turkeys. So yeah, that's why <laughs> that's what I was doing. I remember that summer. But God, and I, I guess um, my uh, idea of, of the local church has always been coloured by the fact that I was, I was converted in a, in a local Anglican church. It was called Slatham, and it's in West Sussex, um, a real kind of Sussex village, and um, robed choir, you know, all those kind of things, which is not my, not my thing at all. But God just spoke to me, and my, my sister invited me along, and I went along and uh, kind of, it was literally a church for the great and the good. And we sat there and God just spoke to me through the a vicar at the time called David Town. 
And I always remember I gave my life to God in walking back to our cottage um, in a field on the way. And so this had happened, and there was a lady um, who was definitely part of the great and the good, um, but the most amazing Christian woman who owned practically the whole of the village, and her name was Mary Warren. And she knew that God had spoken to me, and she knew this amazing thing had happened. And she said, Sean, I think you need to go on a cipher camp. And this was the, the, the summer, as I say, before I was going to go away to college in the autumn. And I, I had, I'm one of four children. We were all born within five and a half years of one another. And I had had a kind of a school life of asking my parents if I could go on residential trips and skiing trips and things like that. And the answer was always no, because families like mine didn't do things like that. So I never went on anything like that. So I just said, no way, Mary, I'd love to go, but no way I could afford that kind of camp because they're usually quite expensive. So um, that was that. So she came back to me afterwards and she said, you know what? She said, you are going to go on that camp and I'm going to pay for you to go. So this is the first time I'd been north of Watford. You know, I I just didn't ever go anywhere really. And so this was the most amazing thing. And uh, it was in North Wales in Crickyuff. And uh, I went all by myself, found my way, and, um, and it, it was an incredible experience, um, you know, in all kinds of ways, which I won't go into. But the one thing, really, um, that sticks out in my mind is that I was asked to stand up. So there's this massive, great big tent uh, where everybody used to gather together in the evening for a kind of um, uh, celebration type thing. And they asked me to stand up because they found out I'd only become a Christian very recently to give my testimony. And uh, I didn't even know what that was. I had no <laughs> idea. And they just said, tell the story of how you became a Christian. So I did that. And, um, and the feedback was, was so positive and so encouraging um, that it, it did make a big impression on me. And also the kind of the love with which it was received. Um, and I was able to go. They had this little small um, youth group in our village um, that I had been going to. And again, you know, the, the people in that youth group, um, they showed me the kind of love I'd actually never been shown, uh, even in my family. Um, so it... it, it that, that whole summer of 1976 will stay in my mind because the building blocks, I think, were, were built for um, the rest of my life. Uh, Mary Warren went on to marry somebody called Kenneth Habersham. And the amazing thing about it is that Kenneth Habersham is, uh, is incredibly involved in, in lots and lots of, of different things um, in the evangelical uh, church kind of right across the nation, and I think Paul knows them as well. They're an amazing couple. She married later on in life, and we were all really praying that she'd meet the right person, and, um, and she did. And so, yeah, that's just the end of the story. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. Well, it's not, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not really the end of the story, obviously, because, you know, what God has used Sean in is phenomenal across the country with her ministry through writing resources for church schools, for being in church schools, encouraging them to see how Christ at the centre of things can make a life-changing difference and transforming uh, children's lives and the lives of, of staff and schools. And through her consultancy work and speaking all over the country, 
Um, it just shows how the fruit that God uses, you know, when somebody invests in somebody else's life, and Paul's ministry as well has been affected by the Habishans and how that work and through the uh, amazing things that have happened through those camps that have gone on from strength to strength. The knock-on effect of that seed of encouragement uh, cannot be underestimated. So maybe worth asking God, Lord, you know, how could I just show an act of generosity or invest in somebody's life who, you know, just never know what the consequences will be. So Barnabas is there right at the beginning of the early church and in Acts 9 we observe him again in work in a slightly different way. Investing in people's lives. This time he brings Saul into the gathering of the apostles. This wild guy who was out to persecute Christians, who was a Pharisee who wanted to do down the Christian, this new sect that was coming onto the scene and threatening the stability of the Jewish religion. But without the encouraging of Saul in his ministry, he might have never have been accepted within the fellowship of the believers, because they were very, very uh, wary of this guy. As you can well believe, he persecuted the church. We read in Acts 9, when Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Here is fear dominating love. They were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple, it says. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the disciple. Here's Barnabas coming alongside this guy and telling them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he'd preached fearlessly the name of Jesus. This was personal witness to what Saul or Paul as he had become was like. He was a transformed person. He had seen the light and he was living in that light. And so Saul stayed with them, moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So again, we witness Barnabas stepping onto the stage at this crucial time in the history of the early church. And the apostles and consequently the rest of the world and through us, through his writings, would have missed that vital ministry of Saul if it hadn't have been for Barnabas. How many of you had people who stood alongside you, come alongside you, and enabled others to see your potential, and stood up for you and said, no, this, this guy, you know, is all right, really. We want to give him a go. Don't be afraid. Just let's see how things go, you know? Would the world have had Paul if it wasn't for Barnabas? I wonder who has encouraged you in those things. Sometimes it's not just deeds and words, but it's the things that, that happen through Christians and within the context of the church, but it's also within the context of our front lines when people are just showing that capacity to encourage you when you're in a really difficult situation. I'm not sure if I've spoken before about the time when I had an endoscopy. Does, do you, have you heard about that? <laughs> You don't want to hear the details. But anyway, just to say very briefly that uh, I, I had arranged to go and pick up Sean's mum 
from down in Sussex uh, this particular day when the appointment came through for the hospital. Uh, I needed to have some examination because I couldn't really swallow very well. This is just a few years ago. And uh, they said, now, you know, you need to have an anaesthetic, you know, sort of to make sure that you're going to be all right. No, I, I can't be doing with an anaesthetic, I said because I need to go driving down to the south of England after this, because I thought, you know, it's just a camera down the throat. It's not a big deal, really. Those of you who know are smiling. <laughs> because when we started the operation, they started putting it down, and of course, you're feeling completely and totally sort of wanting to reject it, as one would normally do. And uh, they'd arranged a, a nurse or several people around me to hold me still. One was at the head, at my head, with their hands around my head, rather sort of making sure I didn't sort of thri- writhe and, and fight off this thing that was happening. As she held my head, and the pain was getting worse and worse, and I was getting more and more anxious, she just bent down and whispered, You're doing really well. (laughs) Do you know, and, and to me, that simple few words of encouragement just changed the way I was and enabled me to to calm down. I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. I am doing well. And I'm going to continue to do well here. And I got through it with God's grace and her encouragement. Now, those of you who are in positions to encourage people on your front lines, whether it's in nursing or teaching or any other way of living, engineering, you can encourage people by simple words and it can make a massive, massive difference. There's a reflection of that kind of ministry as well in Barnabas's next um, acts of encouragement, and that is around the whole field of, of mentoring. Because Barnabas, of course, became a mentor to um, Saul when later on he'd already encouraged the disciples and encouraged Saul and Paul to come back. But later on in, the, in Acts, Acts chapter 11 contains this story of the Gentiles starting to believe the gospel. Horror of horrors for the Jews. The Gentiles were starting to believe and they were starting to do things in Jesus' name and to see miracles happening and you know, all the stuff about Peter being told by the Lord in this dream. No, it's okay. I want the Gentiles to know my grace as well, not just the Jews. And so we read in Acts 11.22 that news of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem. They sent, interesting, who did they send? Barnabas to Antioch, where this was all happening. When he arrived, he saw the evidence of the grace of God and was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was there described as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Great number of people were brought to the Lord. And then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. He said, I'm not able to continue this on my own. I need someone, I know the sort of guy who would get this moving with the Gentiles. He knows the language of Gentiles. He understands how they tick. He was passionately against them. Now he's passionately for them. So Barnabas went to Tarsus uh, to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul uh, met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So they work together, but it's interesting to note 
that it was Barnabas and Saul who spent a whole year, as Luke records it. Not Saul and Barnabas, because Barnabas was still taking the lead at this stage. And it was Barnabas who was mentoring Saul to enable him to move into the position of ministry that he was then later to exercise to the full. The potential for mentoring is huge. I've experienced it myself over many, many years from a guy called Rick Lewis from Australia, and he has had a massive effect on my life. And I'm so passionate about seeing mentoring becoming part and parcel of the church's life. The everyday life is like helping others, discipling others, helping others to pray, helping one another to read the scriptures and understand and work that out in everyday life. I think it's quite possibly one of the movements of the Holy Spirit in the church today that the ministry of mentoring amongst one another is going to grow and grow and grow. And so the ministry of others is something that we need to consider. Could God use me in that mentoring role? You've all received it and given it. We have already people in the church who act as mentors. Like, you know, we've got people uh, who are doing that already with ministry heads. Belinda is one, for example. And it's an invaluable ministry. So mentoring, as, as uh, happened there, is crucial. And you never know how God is going to use that ministry. Sometimes it's um, the part of the role of mentoring is to try and understand what the Holy Spirit is doing in a person's life or what God is saying to you in these situations of difficulty. And I was talking to a person a while ago about something, a person who experienced all sorts of discouragement. She was really feeling down and low. And we went through all those different things. And she said, Joe, is one thing that I, is keeping me going. I believe that God has been speaking to me about how he feels about me. I believe that God's saying to me, you are under my favor. My favor rests upon you. You know, when she was able to hear that from the spirit deep within. It, it just put everything else into a different perspective. And as we hear and listen to God's word, as we read and, and allow God's word to speak to us, the spirit through that word, it can transform our perspective on life and enable us to keep going and continue. And finally, Barnabas is described in Acts 15 when the, there was this massive split between the, the people who were on our missionary work. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in the towns we preached. Barnabas wanted to take John, Mark, uh, with them, but Paul didn't think it was wise to take him because he deserted them in Pamphylia and not continue the work. He's no good. We just don't want him. But Barnabas said, therefore, said, okay, well, I will take Mark with me. You go Silas. The rest of Acts talks, follows Paul and Silas. Mark, John Mark and Barnabas continue in their ministry as well. We don't know so much about what happened there. But in the midst of disagreement and all the problems that we have in our church's life and the Church of England and everything else, how vital it is for people to come alongside others 
and to be able to take the initiative and to come with those who are in places of disagreement and work with them and see how God can use it in different ways. So in the place of conflict, Barnabas' ministry was crucial too. So there's so much that Barnabas is uh, responsible. That's why he's my superhero. I love it. And I love to see that encouragement. I love to give it and I love to receive it. And it's a source of God's great blessing whenever it happens. So may God give us all a spirit of encouragement as we go forward in this life to learn to live a life of encouragement, to receive it and give it as God inspires. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the example and the way in which Barnabas lived out his calling that comes out of his character. Help us, we pray, to listen, take and receive your holy word and to see where we too can be channels of your encouragement in our lives, on the front lines and within the church. That your blessing may flow in abundance. In Jesus' name, amen.